This is Cultivating Classroom Management, and I wanted to talk today about advocacy, peace, and setting up a value system in the school setting and in the classroom. Now, this is a wide open topic that covers many, many areas. And I was thinking about how, in general, it's important to advocate for students, for education, and for equality. And I'm connecting to something that's going on in New York, which is that over 175 educators are being laid off in the Rochester School District. And out of 175, 109 of them are teachers. And I think about those teachers and those students, the parents who are affected by this, and the cause and effect of the whole cycle of what's going on. And I think about advocacy and how teachers, parents, and students came out to advocate for this not happening. And yet there's a subtle message in society about how education is not important, especially public education. So we constantly have to advocate for our students and for public education, especially those districts that don't have equal funding or equal resources. And reading further into the articles, I noticed that they mentioned that elementary school teachers were the first to be laid off or displaced. Now, who needs more support than the younger children? And the younger children don't just need a classroom teacher. They benefit from other supports, the very teachers and educators that are getting let go, paras and behavioral specialists, literacy coaches, math coaches, administrators. We can't just have a black and white view of only the classroom teacher matters. The resources that are needed to support children are many these days, considering trauma that's going on and students who come in with trauma, chaotic households, broken homes, parents, single families, parents who are just living above the poverty level or under the poverty level, Uh, parents who are facing homelessness. We need all the supports we can get in the schools. And to cut educational funding now is setting a tone for other districts who may want to do the same. Now, in the first place, they got themselves into the situation by not balancing the budget uh, the previous year or years. And we have to look at that and say, why should the students and teachers and educators suffer? We need to have a wider view of how to support children and families in schools and how can we start as educators, as parents, as students in graduate classes, how can we do something that is be uh, within our control and how can we accept what's beyond our control? And I say that we can only accept what's acceptable. And when it's not acceptable, we have to advocate, whether it's through politics, through letter writing, through 
standing up for what is right through being a good example and modeling and speaking out for what is right in education. And that may even mean posting on public media so that everybody gets the idea that these uh, young people need to be supported. So thinking further into wider, broader scopes, I think about how we can create a peaceful situation and a harmonious situation in schools and in classrooms. I've spoken about that in uh, previous podcasts. And where do we start with making a peaceful environment and keeping the environment safe? And I think about the value system in schools and how schools have mission statements and vision statements, but they don't often revisit them. And some of them are not living documents in terms of meaningful experiences for teachers and students and parents and other stakeholders. They're just on paper. And it's, it's, it's like a diversity plan. It's a plan is good, but it's more important to practice these principles. And we practice these principles starting with ourselves, thinking about our own biases, how we may be perceiving students or parents or families, how we may be not giving our all in certain situations, and how we may be giving our all, doing an inventory of both negative and positive things we do as educators. This can start out with our classroom philosophy and what we believe in and whether we're consistent and we communicate it well to parents and students and teachers, whether we serve on school committees and give our all or whether we just gossip and waste time on those committees, whether we volunteer outside of the school or give extra hours to our work without asking for anything in return, and whether we continue to examine the underlying issues in schools and contribute to the solutions in our schools. For example, we have to look at not only bullying and violence in the schools, but we have to look at microaggressions. And I have just been reading some articles on microaggressions because microaggressions happen subtly without people realizing that they're doing it. For example, calling on all male students in a math class as opposed to female students or giving more points to a male student for trying and not being aware of one's own biases. It's not intentional, perhaps, but it still is a microaggression that we have to be constantly aware of. Uh, Making a statement about a parent who doesn't speak English or uh, a single parent to, to another professional and doing so in a way that is uh, indicative of our own privilege or misunderstanding or lack of perception or lack of cultural sensitivity. These are microaggressions that we may not even be aware of. Letting our frustrations overrule us when we're angry about classroom management or whether we're angry about not being able to change an IEP or a setting for a student who needs services and making judgment calls about the family without understanding where the family is coming from, without working with a team. These are microaggressions that are 
caused not intentionally, but by being blindsided. So I think about keeping the peace in schools and creating a harmonious environment. And it starts with me as a role model. And I have fallen short in my experience over the course of the years, and I'm always willing to change and grow. And I think that's all we can ask as educators, that we continue to learn about different uh, students of diverse backgrounds and students who may be experiencing different things than we have experience um, learning about different learning styles and how students respond to us, giving feedback that is meaningful to students instead of criticizing, and that is feedback that is timely and feedback that is corrective and gentle, Um, making sure that students have differentiated feedback and differentiated supports. Not every student requires, for example, in, in instruction, Not every student is a visual learner. Some students are visual learners and auditory learners, and it is important to think about how we can create a more uh, peaceful and instructive environment by giving students the supports that they need. Hearing students and hearing them in an appropriate manner. Uh, Teaching students to speak up when it is time to speak up and when it is the right forum, when students are angry and they lash out after a situation, it can be a learning tool to teach them that next time, what do you do? If you want, if you don't like the procedure for lining up for lunch, what can you do that is positive? Can you speak to the principal? Can you offer an alternative method to a teacher? Can you just go along with it silently And then write in your journal how you're frustrated. Can you look at it as an incentive to doing something else? If I line up quietly, maybe I'll be able to have a time, more time in independent reading or on the iPad or something uh, that a student learns positive self-talk and that they don't always look at things as a must, rules and regulations, uh, policies of the school that make good, clear, and common sense. Making sure we communicate with families and making sure that families understand our communication and that there's multiple modalities of communication. Not every parent receives a message in the same way. Some parents are fine with backpacking papers home. Some parents would prefer an email. Some parents prefer a face-to-face meeting, making sure that we take the time to calm ourselves down when things get rough and to see things in perspective. We can't change every single situation, but we can advocate for some. I'll share an example. Just in the past week, I advocated for certain situations for students at my place of work, and I felt better about it. And in in some cases, I advocated and the student wasn't happy with the results, but That's one out of six. Um, You can advocate and things may not turn out the way you want them to or your student wants them to. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be peaches and roses. It just means that when you can change a situation, when you can contribute to a solution, that's the time to do it. So I thank you for listening. This is Cultivating Classroom Management. Think about advocacy, peace, 
and setting a value system and setting it consistently across the school community and in the classroom. Think about microaggressions that may be happening unbeknownst to yourself or others and how we can check ourselves for prejudice, bias, and hidden stereotyping. Thank you very much.